You guys know I love you because Argentina right now is playing in the final of the World Cup. Not that you care. Um, it's an extra time. Now it's penalties. It Probably it's over. So I don't know what, what happened here, but I'll check my phone real quick. And I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The temptation is there. It's right there. So God help me to get through this sermon. Do you have, do you have the squirm embedded in your ear? Right yeah. <laughs> no, I, no I'm, not that, I'm not that sophisticated. Um, the, the mystery of Christmas. Isn't that beautiful? You know, there's different views. <laughs> there's different views about Christmas. And there, there's some that are really excited about it. There's some that are not so excited about it. I mean, how many gifts do you give to your kids? Um, you ever thought about that? You know, gifts? How many gifts do you give to your kids? Um, uh, my, uh, my spiritual, very, very spiritual older uh, sister of Katie's sister-in-law, um, we were sitting at a table one time, and she said something that stuck with me. Um, she said, when you give your kids gifts, this is what you do. You give them something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. You like that? Hey, it rhymes. Something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. And so it's hard to hide a book when you wrap it up, yeah. but our kids know they're coming. Um, and sometimes we go a little bit crazy on the something they want, right? And then uh, we go maybe a little bit less crazy on something they need. Um, but, you know, we, we, we try to do that. But gifts, how many? We can fight over gifts. We can fight over whether or not we have a pagan Christmas tree in the house. Any amens? Amen. I mean, I sent a picture to somebody in Argentina and they go, you have a Christmas tree in your house? I said, yeah. Yeah, we do. There was a, there was a pastor that wouldn't let his kids for years have a Christmas tree in the house. In fact, this is where it gets sad. There was actually two pastors in Argentina. They were fighting over a Christmas tree song in front of the people. And it wound up splitting the church. Can you believe that? Over a Christmas tree, for crying out loud. Um, some people don't like the Christmas tree. They think that it's pagan. Some people do. Like Some people have great memories on Christmas. Some people have terrible memories on Christmas. Um, I, I tended to be like this picture here for a while until I met Katie. And, uh, you know, she changed my heart with that. It was 1992 when I found out my father was dying on Christmas Day. It ruined Christmas for me at the time. But then I met Katie and her wonderful attitude towards Christmas and changed my heart um, in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm thankful for that. Um, but people fight. People have different views about it. But what we're going to talk about today is something that we should all agree on. But before I mention that, I forgot to mention, Topher is back from school as well. Let's give him a round of applause. Right. His parents were so happy they left. But anyway, let's, uh, let's, go, on. let's go on to the next one here. All right, let's look at that. That's not in my notes, by the way. Let's, uh, let's go on. Let's, go, let's look at what we should all agree on this year. Look at this in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says this, By common confession, it's only 
there in the Bible, this Greek word, it means beyond all question. This is something that we all agree on. This is something that all believers should agree with. This is something that, that, that there's no wiggle room to say, okay, you believe this and I can believe that and you can have this and I can have that. No, we all agree with this. This is a common confession. This is beyond all question. This is true. What is true? Well, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, we all love mysteries because they captivate us. We wonder certain things in life, like O.J. Simpson. Why didn't the glove fit? You ever think about that? <laughs> Some of you guys know why. You Californians know why. But, you know, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? I mean, what? What was, it, what was it with the glove? You know what? What is the mystery there? It captivates us a mystery. Well, in the Bible, when the word mystery is there, it's not talking about something to captivate us. It's talking about something that was hidden in the past, but now is revealed to us now. We know it now. And here's what we know. We know and this is a great one. This is not just a small one. We know what godliness is about. We know how to live a God-centered life. We know how to have a God consciousness. We know how to live our lives that everything we do, it permeates us. We, we, we live for Christ and Christ alone. In fact, he mentions this nine times in, 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 in Paul's epistles here, godliness. Look at this here, what one guy wrote. Godliness denotes the duty man owes to God in terms of both believing and living rightly. The mystery of godliness, therefore, is the revelation of the duty that man owes to God. We know what man owes to God. And look, here's what's amazing. This duty is perfectly revealed by none other than Jesus himself in his life, ministry, and work on the behalf of sinners. And that life, ministry, and work is summarized in the confession that follows. You would think that he would say, you know what? This is how you need to relate to God, and here's six ways you relate to God. But he doesn't do that. He says, here's what you need to understand how to live a Christ-centered life. You need to understand the person and work of Jesus Christ. And once you do, you can live a Christ-centered life. He mentioned six things about Jesus Christ here that are, are wonderful. Let's look at them real quick. First Timothy 3.16. What do we know about Jesus? This is the common confession. These are things that we all could agree with. We should agree with. He was revealed in the flesh. He, he appeared as a man. He is God in the flesh. Yes. Now, what did Jesus look like? Let me give you one word. Ordinary. Ordinary. Some people have pictures of Jesus in their house, like they know what he looks like. Some have a muscle Jesus. A handsome Jesus, a Jesus with no, no deformities. He was an ordinary person. In fact, I have two sons that when they walk down the street, people look twice because they're handsome. Amen. Uh, and they, they, they are, they are good looking guys. Me, it never happened to me. They didn't look twice, but with it, with them, they do. I'm just an ordinary guy. He was an ordinary person. You say, what? Look at, look at what this verse says about Isaiah 53, 2. In fact, he grew up before them like a tender shoot, like a root out of a dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty. He wasn't born with a halo over his head. He wasn't born in, 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 in robes, in kingly robes. 
that they would look at him, nor an appearance that would take pleasure in him. He was an ordinary person. He was God in the flesh. He was Jewish, we know that. Some say, well, he had probably had dark hair, dark eyes, darker skin. But isn't it amazing that his disciples that walked with him for three years never talk about his physical appearance. But they mention who he really is, God in the flesh. And so he's manifested in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. Ordinary man, he came and, and died on the cross for our sins. Watch this. So how do we know he was God? He was vindicated in the spirit. This is wonderful. He was verified by the Spirit. He was affirmed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit affirmed his identity. Who is this Jesus? Well, the Holy Spirit told us who he was. This is what's amazing. The Holy Spirit affirmed his identity in his baptism. Remember how the Holy Spirit came? Did he come as a dove, in a form of a dove? Some people take it and say, well, the Holy Spirit was a dove. No, in the form of a dove came and affirmed that Jesus Christ was who he was. In his resurrection, the Holy Spirit affirmed that this is the Son of God. In his ascension, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come and affirm things of who I am. He, 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 the Holy Spirit vindicated, verified who Jesus really was. That's why we ask our elders to be to give references. We want them to affirm who these people say they are. Who is Stephen? You know him? Call up his friends. Ask him. Who he really is. Don't talk to his parents because they know a lot more. But you know, ask him. Ask him. You want to verify this. And the Holy Spirit verified. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Let's look. Let's keep looking here. This is amazing. First Timothy 3.16 says not only that, he was seen by who? The angels. Wow. How many want to be an angel? Anybody ever want to be an angel? Huh? Some of you don't act like an angel. I'll tell you that much. But anybody want to be an angel? Uh, I never I knew I'd be no angel. But I'll tell you this. The angels fascinate me when you study them in the Bible. I mean, the angels sang when he was born. It's, it's amazing. The angels were there. Remember when he was tempted? The angels were there. You know, the angels announced his resurrection. I mean, that's, that's kind of amazing. The angels, the angels announced it. The angels also saw when he was ascended up into heaven. But guess what? I wouldn't want to be an angel. You know why? Because the angels never experienced the salvation that we have. They wonder about it. But he was seen by the angels. He was seen among the angels. And you want to know something? You would think that the next verse would say he was proclaimed to the angels, but look who he was proclaimed to. He was proclaimed to who? The nations. To the people. Not only Jewish people. Here's what's beautiful. To all the nations. To all the ethnic groups he was proclaimed. That's our God. And, and so he's not only seen by the angels, but he, he's preached not only to certain people, he's preached to the world. Now, I like this. I never thought about this. I was reading this book called Senders, and this guy describes two kinds of churches. What kind of church are we? What kind of church do we want to be? My favorite pizza, you know, amen. But what kind of, what kind of church do we want to be? Do we want to be a Pizza Hut church? You say, what is a Pizza Hut church? Some of you guys don't go. Everybody can still go to Pizza Hut. That was back in the... Yeah, Pizza Hut was pretty good. You know what Pizza Hut motto was? You come here, we'll feed you, we'll take care of you. You come here. That's how some churches are. You want to hear the gospel? You come here, 10 o'clock in the morning, we'll preach the gospel to you. You need to come here on our terms. Come here. Well, Jesus doesn't say they have to come here. 
What did Jesus say? Be a dominoes. What's a dominoes? <laughs> a dominoes is we're going to deliver it to you. We're coming to get you. We're going to give it to you. Now, some dominoes, their thing was 30 minutes or less. You know why they stopped that? You ever know why they stopped that? Because people were getting into accidents. They were killing people and everything. They said, you know, we need to stop this 30 minutes or less thing. And so they stopped it because, you know, people were smart. I live 45 minutes from the closest Domino's. I'm going to get a free pizza. But Domino's motto is we're going to come after you. Guess what? We go and we proclaim the gospel of the people. We bring it to them. We're not a Pizza Hut church. We're a Domino's church. We go after the people. We proclaim it. And Jesus Christ was proclaimed among the nations. Now, what happens when we proclaim Jesus to people? What happens to him? Look what the, the, the text says. He's believed upon where? In the world. Now, I love this. Doesn't mean everyone's going to believe. But some do. I did. You did. And you say, well, how do I know who's going to believe? We don't. Praise the Lord. But we preach the gospel and guess what? People believe. I want to I wanna show you a couple of verses to encourage you to preach the gospel. I love these. Look at this. Romans 15, 20, verse 21. And thus I aspired to do what? Preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, now don't miss this. This is amazing here. I know it's small print. Squint and see it. Look at this. They who had no news of him shall do what? What does it say? See. And they who have not heard shall what? What is the Bible saying there? The Bible saying there are people waiting to hear the gospel. That the moment they hear the gospel, they will believe. Not just hear, but believe. Be changed. Be saved. They will understand. They will see. It's amazing how God works that out. He brings them into our lives. We preach the gospel to them and they believe. Was it us? No, it was God. Using the preaching of the word. You say, wait, give me another verse to help me with that. Acts 18, 9 and 10. The Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, don't be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Why? For I am with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you. And watch what the Lord says. I have many what? Where? Wow. Who are they in Whitefield? Do you know? Who are they in Fountain? Do you know? Who are they in Pueblo West? Do you know? Who are they wherever you are in California, wherever you are? Who are they? Do you know? I don't know. Preach the gospel. They'll believe. You'll know. It's amazing. God brings them. I, I, I can't believe it. God brings them here to Widefield. God brings them. I wish that everyone we preach to got saved, but they don't, but some do. I think about in Peru. I think about in Argentina, people getting saved. I think about... Right here in Widefield, I think about Sean D that knocked on the door. How many people come and knock on the door of a church at a dead-end street, knocked on the door, heard the gospel, and got saved? He says, just preach. Don't be scared. I have many. And when we go to people, we don't talk to them about election. We talk to them about Christ. And when we do, people get saved. He's believed upon in the world. This is amazing. This is the secret to godliness. He's preached among the nations, believed upon in the world. And then what's happened to him, he's taken up into glory. He's alive. His ascension. 
It is talking about the victory of the Lord. And this guarantees our glory too. Because the Lord was taken up into glory. He wasn't just left on the cross. He wasn't left in a tomb. He was taken up into glory. This is godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ in the right relationship with him. But you say, Jeremy, I know all this stuff. I know that he was revealed in the flesh. I know that he was vindicated in the spirit. I know that he was seen by the angels. I know that he was proclaimed among the nations. I know he was believed on the world. I know he was taken up to glory. How does that affect me? Well, thank you for asking. Here it is. Do I know a mystery? Ready for this mystery? Here it is. This Christ, the Son of God incarnate, the one who was verified by the Spirit, raised from the dead, praised among the angels, proclaimed across the earth, believed on as a Savior, and crowned as King over the universe. Guess where he is right now? He lives in you. You believe that? You understand that? You want to know the mystery of Christmas? <laughs> this is an amazing mystery. The mystery of Christmas is that not this little baby came and a few people went over and worshipped and all that. The mystery of Christmas is that that was God in the flesh. Mystery of Christmas is that he was seen, he was proclaimed, he was believed upon. The mystery of Christmas is the fact that that God that left glory came down to earth now lives in us. You say, where is that? Look at this in, first, in Colossians 1.27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. So here's what makes Christmas so amazing is that God loves us so much that he not only came to this earth to die for us, but now he lives in us. That changes everything about this season. You say, what does it change, Jeremy? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a couple of things that it changes. The first thing it, it changes is we're never alone. Some people feel so lonely around this time. We are never alone. He lives in us. There is no reason to feel lonely. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He is there with us. Now, yeah, some of our loved ones are not with us. And I tell you, that hurts. Believe me, it hurts. I have some. And sometimes we think, wow, you know, I just wish that this person was there on Christmas. But remember this, Jesus Christ is living inside of you those who believe. And I, I lost my earthly father, but I thank, I thank that my heavenly father now is with me forever. Amen. Let me tell you another thing that changes. You have a message to proclaim. You know, sometimes we just say happy holidays and Merry Christmas, but we forget really what we're talking about. But we can talk to people and say, you know what? Do you know that the God of the universe came down to this earth? Do you know when Mary was holding, she was, she was holding God? Do, 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 you, do you know that that same God lived a, a perfect life, never did anything wrong, died on the cross for your sins? He was buried. He, 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 he was buried. He, he rose again. And that same God is now in glory. And one day he is coming back. We have a message to proclaim. Instead of just saying Merry Christmas and have a happy Christmas, we have a message to proclaim to the people because that God lives in us. And here's one of my favorite things here. 
is we know uh, the real reason for the season. It's not about the Christmas tree. It's not about how many gifts we can give to our children, even though we may have the beautiful little poem. It's not about all the food and the family that comes over. And that stresses people out like you would not believe. Oh, I got this one coming over and that one coming over. And I'm all worried about this one coming over. They're going to like my food. They're going to do this. You know, and they're all stressed out. And oh, is the table right? And like, it's not about that. It's not about what people are living around us celebrating. It's about the mystery of godliness. It's about Jesus Christ. I, I was reading, and, and, and I heard this, it, it blew me away, that right now at the World Cup, there are Argentines who have sold all that they had so they can go see the game. They've given up everything they had to go see a game. I wonder what we have to give up this Christmas to really worship the real reason for the season. It's not about getting. It's not about what's under the tree. It's about how we can live a God-centered life. And we could never live a God-centered life if he wasn't manifested in the flesh. If he wasn't vindicated by the Spirit. If he wasn't seen by the angels. If he wasn't proclaimed to the nations. If he wasn't believed upon in the world. If he wasn't taken up to glory. See, Paul says... This is a great mystery of great godliness. You know how to live a God-centered life. And that same God lives in you. So the question is, are we going to be God-centered this Christmas? Or are we going to be people-centered? May we think about the real reason. May we remember we're never alone. And may we preach this message to people like we never have before. And may God save souls around us. Let's pray. Our Lord, we, we thank you so much, Lord. I, I think about this, this wonderful passage. And great is the mystery of godliness. It's centered around a person. And Lord, sometimes when we think of the word godliness, we think of the things that we have to do. But really, it's not about that. It's about your son and what he has done. So Lord, I pray maybe there's some here that still haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe they know these truths, that he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen among the angels, preached among the world, the nations, believed upon in the world, taken up in the glory. Maybe they know that but they've never experienced Christ in them. Would today be the day that they admit that, Lord, we're sinners. But you sent your son to die for our sins, was buried and rose again, and we call upon him to be our Savior. And then, God, I pray for those who have done that, that, Lord, that they would not forget, even though there's some loved ones not with us, this Christmas season, that we are never alone. You are there.
you give us the strength to carry on. You are there living your life through us. Thank you for that. Help us to remember that we have a message to proclaim. Let us not make this Christmas about ourselves. Help us to make it about others. So help us, Lord, to be channels of that message to proclaim. And then, God, as we start to get discouraged and thinking about things and plans and people and all this, help us to remember that we know the real reason for the season. That the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so, Lord, help us to live for Him. May our thinking, our acting, may our words... May even our playing, everything that we do, center around you. We pray that in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen.